And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ. Matthew 5:45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We know that this promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves have no part to the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and we have been in part studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets where we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life. So we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. The faith of God is information that comes from hearing the word of God. Our faith is obedience to this word, the unquestionable obedience. This is the collaboration of our faith with God's faith. Our faith and God's faith are two absolutely different things. This is the general and the soldier that obeys the general. God's faith is the general. Our faith is the soldier that stands before the general and waiting for the command that will be given. He is the perfecter. He is the perfecter of our faith. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men who are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which he sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated one. The order that is within the body of Christ is as the order is within the human body. One body, one head. And there's no brotherly counsel that would tell the head what to do and when to do it. You'll say, well, what? They're not needed? No, if the head needs it, then it can gather and hear it and do according to what is decided. It is the same order. If the people don't acknowledge this order, the structure, 
then this is no longer a church of saints. This is a church of people that are lawless, that have resisted God and call themselves Christians and calling themselves by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, calling themselves as if they're students of Christ. When they're not students of Christ, they don't acknowledge the person who is placed by God. How can they be students? And their structure is either a dictatorship or a democratic form of uh, rule within the church where they uh, have a brotherly council that dictates to the pastor what he is to do and what he is to say. This is a cancer that eats out the Christian <clears throat> Uh, churches from inside out and within these services there will always be a group of people that in some way will understand all of this and will do according to what is written. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man, evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace abiding within the covenant of peace is actually the treasury of our hope in God, containing the bond of all of the promises of God. And the achievement of these is the goal of the given to us righteousness. Not a single promise that we receive into our heart will ever be able to be uh, re or become real without the fruits of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness gives us the ability, the foundation, the opportunity to enter into the inheritance of Christ that it consists of the precious promises of God. It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because everything that God will do for us, he will do it in Jesus Christ. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. To make your requests or open up your requests and prayer means that my need is already responded to 2,000 years ago and placed upon our account in Jesus Christ within our heart, not somewhere else, independent, Jesus independent us. No, Jesus lives in us and we in him, and within our heart, this hope is there and God's response and we thank God that he already put upon our account these things and when we ask for a healing or any other uh, need we know it's responded to and we thank God that he's already already responded to it and so therefore uh, show me mercy and do this according to your according to your will. The peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Enmity against God 
enmity, uh, anything opposite of the truth, independent from the truth, is against. This is Satan, hater. We become then Satan when it comes to God. When we begin to resist God, not having studied the desires of God, and begin to ask what is against God's will. This needs to be well understood. According to this given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the peace of God and will not probably will never be able to have it. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace, who by the means of the peace of God will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind that is within Christ Jesus, we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth question by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace and therefore are the sons of God because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God as it is written blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God Matthew 5 9 a peacemaker is the state, the inner state of a person with God. And his peace with God can't be moved by anything, not a single cataclysm or loss or achievement or anything you may obtain. This is a, a peace that can't be changed or removed by illness or even death. A person will die in peace with God and faith that God will fulfill what he has said about him. They died in faith, having not having, not having received what, what was promised, but they will still receive it because they died in the faith, believing that God has adopted their body by the redemption of Christ, and they will receive it. Why they did not, did they not receive it then? They had the faith and they confessed it so that they without us not achieve this perfection. And so first, they will resurrect in their new bodies, and then our bodies, our carnal bodies, will be transformed in the blink of an eye into heavenly bodies. And we together with them wait for the rapture of the Lord for a specific amount of time that is decided by him. We've noted that if a person has not died for his nation, the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, then his justification that he receives in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of guarantee, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God so that he can then bear within his righteousness the fruits of peace. Within our body, we don't yet have peace. If our body is aging, is ill, if our body 
still has uh, works of the old person. Yes, we hate it. Yes, we don't want it. But he demonstrates himself. That means our body does not have peace yet. It's not yet adopted. But for it to be adopted, we need to, by faith, receive this adoption and proclaim that not existent as existent. And so those people that are not able to bear to God fruits of peace, proclaim the non-existent as existent, proclaim the faith of God that's within your heart that you've accepted. Uh, the crown of righteousness of such people who do not will be taken from them, giving them the right to the promise of peace in which they would be able to be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 the crown itself is not just a, a, dec a decoration or adornment it is a fruit it, this is the fruit of righteousness in a specific format we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy the unearthly the selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. Here it's talking about the love of God, agape. This is a perfect love. All of the other forms of human love are not perfect. And if that's not enough, all other forms of love have within themselves greed and are egotistical. This be philia or storgi, eros, all of these are imperfect. Only the love of God, agape, is perfect. It always pursues the goal uh, of your, your interests, but human love only seeks personal interests. They do good things for their wife just to pos uh, possess her uh, instead of doing good because he loves her, but he covers her with flowers and other things. Uh, but God in his love with the children of God, he does not satisfy their whims or uh, follow uh, their whims. If you love me, God says, fulfill my commandments and you will receive access then to my love. This is when you will receive access to my love, a completely different uh, relationship that's formed. Uh, human love is blind and oftentimes you'll see uh, different forms of expression as love is so blind you can even fall in love with a goat, as it were. God loves those who love him. He hates those who hate him. The selective love of God presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in seven unearthly qualities of virtue by the preached word of the apostles and prophets, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2-8. From the seven qualities that together identify within our heart the goodness of God, in the perfection of a selective love toward men, we have already looked at five qualities 
and stop to look at the sixth, and this is brotherly kindness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith. From this we note that the main purpose of the selective love of God, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in brotherly love, gives us the proper foundation and ability to pass from the state of death into the state of eternal life. The element of brotherly kindness, brotherly love, allows us or gives us the proper foundation to pass from the state of death into the state of life. Although we may receive salvation as a guarantee, we still are within the state of death because a guarantee does not give us the right to pass from death to life. Only when we invest our guarantee, our salvation, and receive justification as a fruit of righteousness as our own personal possession, will we then be able to pass from death to life. Brotherly kindness, this is the fruit of righteousness that gives us the right to pass from the state of death into the state of life, and this is confirmed in Scripture. We know, Apostle John writes, 1 John 3, 14 through 18, we know that we have passed from death to life, He's, he isn't saying here that he feels that he's passed. Faith is information. These are not emotions. This is information. It comes from hearing. We may have, uh, we feel uh, actual uh, negativity in our in our heart towards certain individuals, but when we know and not feel, we behave not according to what we feel toward a person, but what we know about, uh, know we need to. Uh, do or how we are to behave. This is my brother, this is my sister in Jesus Christ. And it is not important that my my heart, my flesh may uh, state that they don't like this person for whatever reason. Uh, you make the decision that this is my brother, this is my sister. We know that we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. We, he who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever uh, hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because we lay, he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Or a person who may exploit his brother for personal benefit. You are my brother. What can you do for me freely? Never ever use your brothers and your sisters so that they do something free for you. Actually pay him more than you would pay another uh, to do the same work. Try to live this way. Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I will remind us that when a person is born from God, he is faced with a choice to either enter the state of death and become dead to God and useless for any good work or enter into the state of eternal life that until now he has not been familiar with and become useful for all good work 
and demonstration of brotherly love. Every person that is born from God is put into the same situation that Adam was put in in the Garden of Eden, to whom eternal life was offered in the fruits of the tree of life and eternal death in the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was born... Uh, was created by God and he was in a true, tr uh, neutral situation in a neutral position and we uh, like Adam are also given a choice God put Israel in a specific uh, position he gave them the, his commands he freed them and he told them choose life that you and your children may live I ask you choose life I offer to you life I offer to you blessing and cursing life and death choose life so you may live and they then confirmed this law upon the mountains as we know being a person of the flesh Adam was called to eat of the fruits of the tree of life so that his carnal body would change into a heavenly body therefore in order to eat of the fruits of the tree of life and change from being a carrier of a life in the flesh to a carrier of the light of life of a different form it is necessary by the means of demonstrating brotherly love in your faith to pass from the state of death into the state of life that would be able to become an atmosphere for the fortress of God where our bodies would be able to be come heavenly. The burning power of the love of God, agape, revealing itself in brotherly love, is concealed in the... So how can we demonstrate our love to God? By brotherly kindness. We don't see God, but what is brotherly kindness, brotherly love? We do something for his children. You know, God will reward those greater uh, that serve him by serving his children. He will absolutely think, uh, thank these people for this when people do something for one another in his name. And so brotherly uh, kindness are specific acts as love for God in fulfilling his commandments love for brothers are specific acts as well and not just be blessed brother be blessed sister false charismatic uh, services if you go there you'll hear this all the time where they say turn to one another and say I love you but what if a lawless person or a wicked one is sitting next to you and he tells you he loves you when he actually hates you and you tell him you love him when he's actually one who's lawless or wicked or if that's not bad enough put your hands on one another and pray for one another where does it say in the Bible bring forth a place of scripture that tells you you need to do this people do a lot in the services that are is not written in the Bible and they don't even think about when their leaders are telling them to do this you need to say brother you say uh, do this, but you're not telling us it, where it's written that we're supposed to behave this way. Why is this person forcing you to do something that is not written, that is against God's will? If you, if you love me, keep my commandments, not the commandments of man, but my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. As one specific pastor 
was telling uh, his flock that if you don't go to this place or another to uh, you don't meet together in one place or another to have a good time, that means you are not you are not spiritual, you are not supportive of the, of the service. Uh, instead of serving God, they want to have a good time and spend their time outdoors. And people that do such things will reap in their time, but it's unfortunate those who follow such leaders and think that you need to fulfill specific requirements that are not in Scripture. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 15 through 17. Therefore, keeping the commandments of the Lord is demonstrating in your faith the selective love of God in brotherly kindness, providing God the right to move us from the state of death into the state of life, using our ability to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord and Master of our life. It is the Holy Spirit who identifies the state and atmosphere of life, who becomes within our heart the spirit of comfort, the spirit of truth, will abide with us forever. This is not different spirits, but one spirit that pretty much uh, forms the atmosphere of comfort when we are in need of comfort. When we feel that we're lonely, when we have sinned, when we feel that we are forgotten by all and even as if God turned away from us because we sinned and the Holy Spirit comforts us in this moment and says, no daughter, no son, I couldn't forget you just because you, you had stumbled and fell. It's the opposite. I am compassionate to you, and I want to help you. I want to comfort you. I, I do not accuse you or condemn you. The conscience can condemn us, and this is lawful because we put the law in there. If you do commit sin, then this is wrong, and our conscience then tells us you did wrong. But the Holy Spirit says you can be restored in your rights or in your relationship with God. Confess your sins, return, don't lay and uh, remain in this mud. You fall again and again, and again he tells you, rise again, rise again, rise again. The righteous will fall seven times to rise again. This is what will happen, the Holy Spirit says, when the word of God in the mouth of one who is delegated will uh, uh, condemn us, the Holy Spirit in us will comfort us. And the delegated one, speaking uh, words of instruction, uh, they may be correcting us, but you will also see this as a comfort because you will leave your sins and confess them. The ability... Again, the spirit of uh, God is the spirit of comfort, the spirit of truth that reveals the truth in the heart and that will abide with us forever in the new heaven and new earth. He will pass on uh, there with us as well, move there. The ability to receive the Holy Spirit into your heart in the status of the Lord and Master of your life only happens when you fulfill the commandments of Christ that regulate our relationship with God in your relationship with your neighbors for whom you are called to lay down your life so that you can provide 
of God the right to pass or move you from death to life. Therefore, the goodness of God can be poured out exclusively into a heart that is cleansed from dead works in the love of God, agape. And such a pour out of the love of God into our heart happens by the means of the thummim in the form of the commandments of Christ and the urim as the Holy Spirit revealing in our heart the essence of the truth contained in the commandments of Christ. Therefore, the love of God abiding within our heart by fulfilling the commandments of Christ reveals itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love that governs with its power over the emotional storms of our human feelings by the confessions of the faith of our heart that abide within our heart. We note more than once that confessing the faith of our heart controls our feelings as a good rider controls his restrained horse. A restrained horse loves his master considers him as a god to him and he wants to serve him and the slightest movement of the rider he obeys everything that is is instructed or shown to him so when our emotional uh, self will become disciplined it will begin to love what you love and you will sense within your feelings an unusual closeness and love toward your brothers that previously you needed to force yourself in order to fulfill God's command because your emotion was against this. This is not within my uh, taste. This is not within my uh, comfort zone. But this is something that needs to be in your comfort zone. This is something you need to love Right now, you may see people like you see them, but previously, this will be a glorious body that will be a fragrant of Christ. Today, we are called to be the fragrance of Christ. And, of course, when we go to church, we need to wash our bodies with clean water, put on clean uh, clothing, and, of course, brush our teeth and not eat garlic or other strong uh, uh, foods that may uh, impact the others so that we not innerly be clean only, but outwardly as well. You yourself will understand that you come to God's service and you need to behave so that from me, there not be any kind of uh, strong odors coming that may affect other people around me. James 3, 2, 3. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. The confessions of the faith of the heart, our mouth, is called to control our emotions, our body. To not stumble in word when demonstrating brotherly love is to speak about your brothers not basing what you say on the sight of your eyes or the hearing of your ears, but basing what you say upon righteousness that is within the atmosphere of the commandments of God. I would like to apologize if I said something maybe that uh, uh, someone may be uh, offended. I, I say this as a general rule, uh, not just uh, for us specifically. 
People that come to our service say how beautiful everyone is. There's a fragrance coming from... When people sometimes visit, you can smell from them as that they've been sweating and people that have accepted within their heart that they will be the bride of the Lamb, that they are adopted. You may not see in the mirror that you are a fragrance, but people will sense it from you. You have something they don't, and they don't understand what it is, but they say how beautiful everyone is. And so when I say keep good hygiene when you come into the church, uh, if someone does come in this way, others around them need to be uh, just considered of this brother or sister, and eventually that may be fixed or corrected by this person. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes or, de or decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faith faithfulness the belt of his waist. Isaiah 11, 3 through 5. According to this prophetic word, we conclude that one of the main reasons for brotherly kindness or brotherly love is to defend your brothers from slander spoken by the wicked and lawless that until a specific time will remain amongst the saints as we until a specific time remain or are present among the growing wheat. When you see a division and people leave, then this is not just something unusual going on. This is that the angels of God had begun to cleanse the church from weeds. You'll say, but division happens everywhere. But division, when it happens there, two, three months later, they begin to greet one another and acknowledge one another, and nothing wrong has happened. Their division happens not because, not as ours had happened. For in our in our in, in our situation, they couldn't bear the. Uh, to be servants of righteousness any longer and were freed from that uh, slavery to righteousness and they sensed a great freedom when they left. And then they tried to continue to be friends uh, with us and we said no because uh, we had to break their relationship with them because they had died uh, for God, for us, and we died for them, they died for us. This is what happens when the weeds are pulled out from the field where the wheat grows. Relevant to this, it was necessary for us to answer four classical questions. By what signs do we determine that a person is our brother for whom we are called to lay down our life so we can demonstrate in our faith brotherly love? 
Second, what purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in our brotherly love for one another? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate within our faith the selective love of God in brotherly love? And fourth, by what results do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God? We will keep in mind that we are not talking about brothers by flesh, but brothers that are in the Lord among the saints. Let brotherly love continue, Hebrews 13.1. We've noted that in the time of the law of Moses, as well as our time, which belongs to the law of grace, not all who call themselves brothers amongst the holy nation are, according to Scripture, the seed of God. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. Not children that are... Uh, in the flesh, those are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Romans 9, 6 through 8. The right to be called a brother for one another is something that includes all the saints of Christ, regardless of whether you are of a male or female gender. When it talks about brothers, it includes both brothers and sisters. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, 28, 29. The virtue that the scriptures ascribe a brother in Christ is the virtue of a neighbor. Therefore, when the scriptures speak of brotherly love, then it is referring to a love that we are called to demonstrate for our brother as our neighbor. Therefore, we needed to provide comprehensive identification of who is able to be called and who is able to be our brother in Jesus Christ as our neighbor. But first, I want to remind us again of what God has done for us in order to lead us into the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, which we can only inherit by demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, considering that brotherly love occupies its rights and obtains its legal status and its legitimacy when we comprehend the fact that we are in the status of spiritual infancy that is attracted to various winds of doctrine by cunning craftiness of deception of men and we make the decision to leave this state of infancy. As in the carnal Adam, he was drawn to death, carnal men, including the category of spiritual infants, are drawn to death by various winds of doctrine and remain in this state of death. The method for leaving the state of spiritual infancy consists of four parts. First, to leave the state of infancy is to acknowledge by a revelation you receive into your heart, acknowledge over yourself the authority of one person that is cloaked into the responsibility of a father from God by the means of, of this revelation and refuse the expanse of the Internet as well as all evangelical events that are not under the authority of this person. Second, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, leave and reject your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires of the soul that are cloaked into the garments of personal good work. Third, to leave this state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, imprint upon the tablets of your heart that is cleansed from dead works, the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. Fourth, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, accept the Holy Spirit into your heart in the status of the Lord and Master of your life. In a specific format, we already looked at the first three questions in, in the purpose of brotherly love. 
and demonstration of brotherly love and are going to look at the fourth question. By what results do we examine ourselves? That we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God. We in our time already looked at one of the results of brotherly kindness that will be a sign that we love our brothers and have passed from death to life. This is the act where we will drive out from within our midst the person that secretly accuses our neighbor. Second result in demonstrating brotherly kindness in your faith is the ability to increase more in brotherly kindness or brotherly love and aspire to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your own hands so that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. We but urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. And so a relationship between brothers or brotherly love is living a quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. In the given place of Scripture, in order to be successful in brotherly kindness, we need to aspire to live, uh, diligently uh, aspire to live a quiet life, mind our own business and work with our own hands. First, diligently aspire to fulfill these two requirements are linked to demonstrating brotherly kindness in your faith, testifying of the fact that we have passed from death to life. And second, a diligent aspiration of fulfilling these two requirements will be for those outside a demonstration of our properness and our sufficiency in everything. So now we will look at the first requirement identifying the result of demonstrating brotherly kindness called to confirm in our heart that we have passed from death to life. This is to di diligently aspire to live a quiet life. The ability to live a quiet life achieved by diligent aspiration gives us wisdom to mind our own business and work with our own hands. To mind our own business is to fulfill within the body of Christ the function of joined and knit together by what every joint supplies that is linked to our gift that we have received from God by the many forms of the grace of God. As it is written, here it's talking about what we need to do in the church, but not something we just do in general, as it is written, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, Ephesians 4, 15, uh, 16. This is what it means to, to mind your own business. To work with your own hands is not to rebel and not lead a parasitic form of life so that you can first honor God with your tithes and your offerings and second, help or assist a brother that is in need. Proper quietness allowing us to live a quiet life is a specific greater goal, identifying a certain unearthly state of the heart that is necessary for the formation of an atmosphere of brotherly love and that 
that is unknown to the fleshly person. And this unearthly goal of quietness in Scripture is this precious promises that are at the foundation of our salvation upon which we are called to build ourselves a spiritual house and a royal priesthood. And in order to enter into the inheritance of these precious promises as quietness and to keep it until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to uh, pretty much put forth all of our effort and try to live a quiet life. To enter into the atmosphere of this quietness, to keep it, to uh, have this as part of our life and to be able to do our work and mind our own business, we need to identify this quietness. How can we diligently strive to have this uh, quiet life if we can't identify it? Considering, therefore, that quietness is a great reward that is called to prompt our hunger and our thirst to inherit it and prompt us to pay the proper price so that we could diligently, again, strive to live a life that is quiet. This is to be in God's peace or have peace with God and those around us within the boundaries of holiness and as a demonstration of holiness in order in order. In order to enter into this royal quietness, we need to, and to establish it in our life, we need to use all of our abilities, means, and <coughs> put, uh, we need to put forth all of our effort, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. Quietness is the peace of God. The quietness that identifies our peace with God that may, if it's not out of, uh, not within the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness, cannot be called God's quietness that would allow a person to live a quiet life. Upon scripture or in scripture, the atmosphere of quietness uh, first is seen in the voice of God as he walked in the Garden of Eden. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, Adam and Eve, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking. They didn't feel they were naked, they knew they were naked because they ate the forbidden fruit. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Genesis 3, 7 through 13. The trees of the Garden of Eden, including the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, are the precious promises of God that are planted in the heart of a person in the form of the commandments of the Lord. And as you remember, we studied this question a little bit before that God had planted uh, the tree in the garden after he had created Adam and Eve. What does this say? This says that God could not create or plant the uh, 
garden in Eden uh, without the help of Adam and Eve. He said, let us create a man in our image and likeness so that he may uh, rule on the earth. God created a person with sovereign rights on the earth, the same kind of sovereign rights that he possesses in heaven. And this means that not God, not the devil, not angels, are able now to uh, make any changes or do anything on the earth if, because if they do without the consent of a man, then he, they will violate then their own rule. And so to do something now on earth, God needs to uh, open this to a person, uh, open this intent in the heart of a person, and the person wants to desire, then needs to then desire to fulfill this and collaborate with God to make it happen. And so the planting of the trees in the garden or the creation, say, of this garden was the work, a collaborative work between God and man. Because in the beginning, God creates man and then gives him the commandments that he needs to uh, follow. And when he, when he puts him in his heart, then he creates this garden in himself. God will come and speak to this person in this garden, in his heart, within himself. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is within the heart of man, the commandment of the Lord, following this commandment, not to take and eat of the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Following this commandment is the key that opens the door to quietness that was in the garden in the cool of the day where a person then would receive the right to eat of the tree of life, fruits of the tree of life, the fruits that were called to transform his mortal body into a heavenly body. Specifically following this commandment was the key to, to the tree of life, eating of the fruits of the tree of life. He needed to follow that commandment. But violating this commandment or breaking it, the doors were closed for all the tree of the garden, including the tree of life. It's interesting that the cool of the day in Hebrew is the spirit, wind, blowing, air, breath, silence, the breeze of peace, the atmosphere of peace. As you can see, the cool of the day that identifies the atmosphere of quietness in the heart of a person, we see an active work of the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in mind that the atmosphere of quietness that is presented in the quietness of the day or the peace of the day uh, this is the heights of the heavens. This is something that exists again in three different places. The heights of the heavens, the sanctuary, which is the bride of the Lamb, and the precious heart of a person. If in the heart of a person the commandment of the Lord is not imprinted, the elementary teachings of Christ, following these elementary teachings of Christ that opens the precious then promises of the other trees of the garden, if this is again not imprinted, then the doors will be closed uh, to access to the peace that he should have in his heart. Then the Lord said to Elijah, 
Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. It was from the Lord, but the Lord himself was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. First Kings 19.11-12 And when the scriptures say, after the fire, the still small voice, Elijah then took his uh, mantle and covered his face. The character of the the breeze as the small voice as the Holy Spirit is called to reveal or demonstrate itself in the heart of a man. We also see in the quiet waters of Salam uh, that were typically quiet, but they would stir up at a certain time of year. The order of quietness when it comes to uh, worshiping God is an atmosphere of peace that is not to be changed or uh, will not be able to be taken away because it's uh, given by the Holy Spirit. The Comforter himself is the Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 26, 27. The quietness, the peacefulness, the quietness that is not able to find itself in this still uh, small voice is not something that is from God. Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face, the hair on my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes, there was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, in this silence, there will be trembling and fear. Job 4, 12 through 16, the true presence of God always is accompanied with trembling and fear, and this fear will be so great in the presence of God. To go, that to go and run to the stage and, and begin shouting is not something that will be possible. The fear that this will be a reverence uh, that person will have. As soon as the Holy Spirit is in his presence, it will be a quietness that will also have this fear and this reverence with it. And so now as we, at least in short, have identified the nature of unearthly quietness that is called to identify the quiet breeze in our heart, the work of the Holy Spirit. Let us now, uh, we can now uh, look at how we can diligently uh, live a quiet life. To diligently live a quiet life is a great desire, hunger, and thirst to seek God and to find God, who is within the atmosphere of brotherly kindness that you can keep and establish in yourself if you diligently 
work to live a life, uh, a quiet life. And when God, seeing our hunger and our thirst to live a life that is quiet, he then reveals himself in our heart and the Holy Spirit can then do his work as the Lord and Master as our Lord and Master of our life on the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried out saying if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink he who believes in me in the scriptures it says out of his heart will flow rivers of living water but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believed in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified John 7, 37-39 As soon as the prayer of a person loses or does not have this diligence of hung, the, uh, hunger and thirst for knowing the will of God the Holy Spirit the whole, uh, representing within the heart of a person this quietness and this breeze uh, immediately abandons a person I remind us that the etymology of the word diligence is in these definitions when a person again shows his favor to God this is diligence diligence is favor for fulfilling the will of God propitiousness or favorable disposition for the desires of God, a draw to fulfill the commandments of God, a favorability for fulfilling the commandments of God, the desire for good coming from the goodwill of man, an intelligent and voluntary dependence on fulfilling the will of God, satisfaction received from fulfilling the will of God, obedience and agreeance with the will of God, concern and care for fulfilling the will of God, and a pleasant, a positive reception of the will of God. And so diligence, or to diligently strive to live a quiet life, is possible when we diligently pray, giving God the proper foundation or right to build within our heart this atmosphere of peace. I shall remind us of a few familiar definitions of a diligent prayer. And the diligent prayer is so that we can live a quiet life, so we can then have this atmosphere for brotherly kindness. The first diligent First here we see a diligent prayer is identified by God as an offering that is brought by a prince. The presence of the atmosphere of peace within our heart for which a price of diligence is paid testifies before God the fact that we have faith and we have within our faith brotherly kindness. Our favor to God gives us the ability to receive God's favor and God can then put us into the entrails of his peace and into the Holy Spirit who is for us Christ. Now when the prince makes a voluntary burnt offering or voluntary peace offering to the Lord, the gate that faces toward the east shall then be opened for him, and he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offering as he did on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go out, and after he goes out, the gate shall be shut. Ezekiel 46, 12. 
According to this place of scripture, we see that to diligently live a quiet life and in this way make your heart a place of peace for the Most High, it is necessary to possess within your essence the virtue of a prince. I trust that you remember that in our language, the word prince is a person that a person who controls his horse or is able to uh, ride his horse one that is able to control his emotional uh, self not where it wants to go but where you decide it needs to go therefore to be a prince is to rule with your intelligent abilities uh, rule your emotional uh, the emotional abilities of your soul and such a form of rule or ability to rule is placed in dependence of our new person or abilities of our new person, which is the priest in our essence. This is the mind of Christ. Now, therefore, if I, pr I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, Moses prays, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. So Lord, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you and I know you by name, Exodus 33, 13, 17. And he's saying here, if my heart has become the place of your peace, then I pray, open to me your way so that I may know you, so that my heart, so your heart would become the place of my peace or my rest. Amen. Let us bend our knees and pray and we will prepare our heart to communion uh, this great celebration that will allow us to live a peaceful life and all those who want to resist within themselves their feelings, their sins, their illnesses, their fears in order to take part in this communion and have life from it. We wait for you here at the altar. We will pray for you and may the Lord bless us.
I am going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. He wants to right now restore peace in your heart, destroy these shackles of desire that are against God to free you from shame. Lift your hands to God. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God without doubt and without wrath. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I love you. I hate my sin. I hate my dependence. Dependence on my lust. I open up my heart. I ask, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, remove my shame, heal my, my pains. And right now, I accept into my heart your justification. I accept my healing. I accept freedom from sin. I want to testify before hell and heaven that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. Blessed is our Lord. He has cleansed your heart from the sin and shame. He has restored his relationship with you and you can with boldness take part in the communion so that you may have within yourself life. Let us sing. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-32 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and not his neighbor, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. 
When we confess our sins and leave them, we make the decision to leave them, we in this way have judged ourselves and given God the ability to cleanse us, to participate in this great service, this great feast is something that can only happen if you receive Jesus as your personal Savior and have, ba have been baptized. The exception are children because God already counts them as righteous and those that may be warned or may have within their heart bitterness, anger, offenses against another have not forgiven that person. I would ask you to please withhold. If you won't, it is on you. I will let us all stand and we will pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your broken body as this bread, when it shall be passing by your people and we will take of it and eat of it. May your blessing, the blessing of heaven in your life, may it pour into our body. May thank you that in this bread you have healed our bodies and we worship before your great God, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. And he gave thanks and broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand. Breaking up the bread means to humble yourself. When Jesus had broken the bread at this time, the disciples uh, saw him breaking your bread means that you acknowledge that your sins crucified Christ you do your own no one sinned for you each one sinned and you demonstrate that I was a sinner these were my sins that crucified him and his body was broken because of my sins he did not die for the sins of the whole world he died for the world of his people his Christian people he will come and save his own people from their sins this means the world of his children and so you need to never think that Christ died in general for everybody he died for the world of his children Christ committed his himself for his bride for his church washing her with pure waters by the word that she may be pure and without blemish before him. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
First, often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my deliverer. My fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. These words were poured out from the heart of David when God delivered him from all of his enemies and the hand of Saul. He poured out these words and he listed eight names of God saying or testifying who God is for him and what God has done for him. Every time when we acknowledge this great inheritance that God has placed in these eight names for us and we proclaim them as the faith of our own heart, then we give God the opportunity and foundation to do the work to fulfill his word which are in the lot of these eight names. This is the great privilege for us, a great privilege, and is of great significance. And so if you are alone at times and are dealing with specific situations, uh, proclaim these names, study them, be attentive uh, to the things God has put in these names, and when you proclaim them, you will notice that in your heart you feel easier. It's not the circumstances that surround us, but how we react to those circumstances that in our heart God has showed me many times when circumstances wouldn't change, difficult circumstances, but in the heart there was peace and freedom and you would glide over those circumstances be independent from the enemy in your heart. I will ask everyone to stand and we will pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the cup of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins when it shall be passing by your people and we will take of it and drink of it. May your life pour into our heart eternal life and may all illness be destroyed in our body and be cursed and may it be thrusted out of our bodies in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the healing that's in this cup and worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. That road that is approached, please stand, just as you helped one another with taking of the bread. Please also help one another in also taking of the cup. Uh, the cup is Christ for all generations, for all peoples who died for us and from whom the redeeming blood was poured we received cleansing of sin and the results of sin also. Results of sin are illnesses and all kinds of other misfortunes. And when the results of sin will be removed, the sins removed, the results of these sins, first often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This is always a wonderful quietness that we talked about. The Holy Spirit receives the ability to actively work and heal us.
For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Psalm 1, that as the 18th Psalm was implemented by David, that it be sung during the time of Agada, which is the Passover feast. The Passover feast, the lamb itself was slaughtered upon the Mount of Olives. And they cooked and ate it there, and afterwards they came home and continued their feasts at their tables, inviting guests that had come and maybe didn't have houses. Israel gathered from all uh, cities and countries to this great feast, up to 200 visitors would come. <coughs> and this psalm was one of or up to two million people would come uh, from out that would join the feast. Blessed is the man who walks in the council, not in the council of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. This means does not support them. It does not have fellowship with them. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. A person who meditates about the law of God day and night is a person who has the seal of the living God upon his forehead. And this person, evil, will not come to him. If someone, maybe, was accidentally passed by, Please stand so we can assist you. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which, is, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment of, nor sinners, in the congregation of the righteous. I will ask everyone to stand and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.